At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is where really for us lean management was was the game changer because we saw how agile completely transformed the engagement of the team. And that's why we're looking for the same magic, not just for our software teams, for, for the whole organization. And that's what lean brought uh, us. Hi, and welcome to Deep Leadership. I'm your host, John Rennie. Well, I hope all is well with you today. It is another beautiful day here in North Carolina, and this episode is brought to you by our sponsors, Habitstack, Ignite Management Services, and Liberty Strength. These sponsors help me bring these shows to you each and every week, so I encourage you to click on their links below and check them out. Also, I want to encourage you to join us on our growing YouTube channel. Search for Deep Leadership on YouTube for videos of all my interviews and exclusive content. Well, that is it. Today, we're going to be talking about how to grow a fast and resilient company using lean principles. And my guests are Catherine Chaberon and Fabrice Bernhard. Catherine and Fabrice joined me to talk about the success at Fabrice's company, Theodo. Theodo is a software company which has grown on average 50% a year for the past eight years and generated over $95 million in turnover in 2022. What's more remarkable is that they have been able to keep their small company vibrant culture alive as they have grown their business. They have done this using lean management principles. So if you were thinking that lean was just for manufacturing companies, you're about to learn something amazing. So are you ready to dive in? Let's get started. Welcome to Deep Leadership. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former Cold War submarine officer who spent 20 plus years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Are you ready for some real world actionable advice from John as well as his expert guests? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. The show starts right now. Welcome to the Deep Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Catherine Chaberon and Fabrice Bernard. Catherine is a lead management sensei, a master with 40 years of experience, and an author of multiple books and articles on the lean methodology. She helps companies reinvent their culture and foster greater employee engagement in the face of growth. Fabrice co-founded Theodo, a software company in 2009, which has grown on average 50% a year for the past eight years and has generated over $95 million in turnover in 2022. Now, their impressive growth is a testament to their lean management strategy, which is inspired by the Toyota production system. And I'm excited to have them both on the show to learn how they used lean techniques 
to get people engaged as they grew their business. So, Catherine and Febreze, welcome to the show. Hello. Hello. Thank you for inviting us. It is a pleasure to meet the both of you. And my first question is, how did you meet and how did, when did you realize that lean management could help the Odo in their growth, that the, the, the fantastic growth that you've had? Maybe, Fabrice, you want to answer that one? I know we met in Japan, but... Yes, the, um, so the story between Catherine and I is, is actually, um, you know, quite symbolically started on a lean uh, study tour in Japan. Uh, but our story with lean dates from uh, a few years earlier than that. And you know, to give you really the full background, uh, we there, there was a key moment in our journey where we discovered Agile. Rather, we hadn't discovered Agile for a while. There's really a moment when we finally got it, it clicked, and we were able to do it in a much more radical, much more valuable way for the clients. And that then it was a game changer for the company because all of a sudden the teams were more engaged, more autonomous, and we could scale, you know. Um, to more teams and and it made us realize that you know you can find ways of working out there that just completely transform the way you work and create more value and actually are more enjoyable so of course the next step was to say to think okay what is the what is the agile that doesn't just apply to a team of software engineers but it applies to the whole company so we really come from this agile background and i was uh, um, strongly engaged in the agile community and looking you know everywhere for answers when I met uh, my first lean coach, uh, Antoine Contal, who told me he had been through a similar journey of trying to, of being really like impressed by the value of Agile, but also seeing its limits in, in his context. He was working in a big French telco. And, um, and he had then found this thing that was beyond Agile, that, that was called lean. And it had really completely seduced him and he had become a coach. And, and, and so that was very, very interesting for us, of course, very exciting. And so we invite, he invited himself in a way to do a first go and see at our company. And that go and see was, was, yeah, it was really showed us the, the, the power of, of lean thinking, the way, the way he saw things that we hadn't seen for years and, and the way he liked with small changes or really like influence our culture in, in less than a day. And so we've been on a lean journey ever since, uh, and that was back in 2012, so more than 10 years now. Mm. And, you know, you, you mentioned uh, Agile, and you know, a, lot of, a lot of software companies are using that. And so just in your own words, how would you describe how lean is different from Agile, just in, in, in your, what you've learned through your journey? There's many ways you can define lean, but for us, I mean, one definition I like is to say it's a way to embed a learning system into your production system. Uh, so compared to Agile, um, it's, it, it's, it's much more versatile. It applies to the whole organization, not just to one team. Um, and it doesn't apply. Agile, when you look at the roots, um, but first, Agile became popular with, te- with a, a team of software engineers. And when you look a bit, you know, before that, it, it's inspired by uh, project management techniques for uh, innovative projects. So what I'm saying is Agile is very much for 
one or two, three teams, that's where it works the best. And for projects, innovation projects, of which, of course, software projects are, are a really good example. Lean is for the whole organization, whatever your scale. If I may add a point, uh, Agile was inspired by lean management. Lean management was before Agile, uh, but they, they picked up a number of things like uh, small batches, uh, uh, run uh, quickly to fail fast and learn from it. Uh, but they missed quite an, a big chunk of the lean management. And, and probably this is what Fabrice is telling us, is uh, they rediscovered the whole picture. Uh, which is uh, a, a complete approach for, for a company. That makes a lot of sense. Um, Catherine, just, you know, you're, you're an expert in this area. So I thought maybe it might make sense to, because not, not everybody who's listening in is, understands lean manufacturing has been exposed to it. I, you know, fortunately, I've been in manufacturing my whole career, but give us a little rundown of what, uh, like a quick summary of what lean management is and where did it come from? Lean management was inspired by what we saw of Toyota, to, Toyota, the, the car, ma car maker. Toyota, just after the Second World War, um, they needed to catch up very quickly uh, versus the other car makers, the US and German car makers. They were eight times less productive than they were, less efficient. They had no money, on the other hand. Uh, so they had to be very ingenious about how they're going to use the, the little assets they have to try and catch up on, on, um, on the US and, and Germany. Uh, they had also a strong drive for innovation because the founders of Toyota, they were in the Lumo business before. Uh, the founders were very much into innovation, making the frontline people job easier, uh, try uh, Im uh, improvement day after day, and so on. So they were very much into that. They were ingenious people. They wanted to use the little assets they had in a in an efficient way, and they invented just in time, uh, which is basically I uh, don't push uh, production just in case somebody buys. I push or trigger production when somebody orders. Uh, that means uh, less stock, uh, less inventory, less components, less square meters, uh, and, and on the other hand, uh, high flexibility to be able to change from uh, one batch to the other very quickly because some, some want red, some want blue, etc. So I have to be able to, be, to, to change uh, what my machines do very quickly. So that all came from that, and then to to that they they were also strongly supported by the drive in Japan to improve the quality. Uh, they were very inspired by Deming, an American guy that maybe our audience or your audience know know about. Uh, they learned a lot about quality. They even picked up ideas from the training within industry, which was the program uh, to drive uh, manufacturing during the World War Two. Uh, when they had to get people on board very quickly since all the men were out to, at war and they had to develop uh, war equipment very quickly. So they used everything they could and they were very clever at it. And when the oil crisis struck uh, in the mid-70s, they were probably the first, the only ones that were ready for it in terms of... Um, being very flexible, being very low cost, being uh, very agile. Uh, 
And everybody looked at them and said, oh my, they have a different approach. We have to learn from them. And, and this is where lean management comes. And it turned out that it was very manufacturing, but it can be applied to services. And now the reason why we're here is that so we are seeing people, uh, companies like Theodore doing it in digital. Yeah, that's uh, fascinating. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show, because I've never seen that before. I've always seen lean in a manufacturing type of environment. So it's exciting to see the success that uh, that you've had um, here at Theodo. So let me ask you, um, you know, you've had tremendous growth. Um, I, you know, as as a you know business owner myself, I 50% growth per year, that is big growth. And you have a very large team what are some of the challenges, uh, Fabrice, that you've had to deal with as your company has grown this fast? Oh, there's there's so many of them, uh, <laughs> but if I had to summarize, there's like for me, there's you know four kind of categories of challenges. Um, I'd say the first one, and that's really because I've got a lean background. But the first one is, as the company grows, you you. The people did like the people in the company get more and more disconnected from the value and for the co- from the customer. So that's one one big challenge. You know, when you're one team, you talk to the customer every day. When you're 700 people, well, there's quite a few people that don't talk to the customers anymore. Yes. <laughs> um, so that's one. The second one is, of course, you have to put in systems in place and you have to put rules to avoid you know mistakes and 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 try to you know build an organization and not just uh, uh, reinvent yourself all the time. But that means processes and processes means uh, less autonomy for the teams. And that's usually very disengaging. So you arrive in this company, instead of, you know, being able to exercise your creativity, you know, all you're being told is, oh, there's so many rules, follow them first. Then the third one is really on, on production, quality of production. Um, I think as you grow, your, your production system. So for, for example, for us, it's, it's like, you know, delivering uh, digital products to our clients. Um, these, you know, that the grow the grows in complexity to the point where, you know, you need to have very ingenious ways to deal about them to ensure the quality is still there. But you can't just use, you know, a small team's intuition. And I guess the fourth one is really, you know, the, the constant frustration that, you know, things you've learned and things you've, you've you know invented in the process get basically forgotten all the time mm-hmm. by by you know because because of course you know when you're growing 50% it means that at least 50% of your employees are probably like new um and that's you know not even counting the chance so if there's like a few people also leaving every year so basically you have a half the company almost or you know a third of the company that is completely new and has to relearn everything so these are for me like really the the four challenges of scale I could add one also is as you grow, complexity grows. You said so with the rules, but you also grow silos because you have to to bring in uh, CTOs, CFOs, uh, CIOs, uh, and so on. Uh, and they're needed because you need their expertise, but then they tend to work in their within their silo and not exchange and collaborate anymore. And this is a big challenge for Fabrice and Benoit, the two co-founders of Theodore's how to have people continue collaboration as if they were only four sitting around the same desk in a, in a garage. You see the point. And now they are separate in big offices and uh, they don't talk to each other so easily. 
in different cities. Mm-hmm. Or even in different cities. So that, that, that brings a, a question to my mind is that what happens with employee engagement when the company gets big, you have silos, everybody has much more of a functional role versus when you're a small team, you wear many hats. How does that affect employee engagement? And then how do you, how do you encourage or how do you create an environment where employee engagement still continues even as the company gets bigger? That's one thing that's really interesting to me because I've, having worked at large companies, I saw that silo effect and people just come in and do their very focused job and they're, and they're really not involved so much and they're not engaged as much. And so how do you, how do you deal with employee engagement as you grow like this? Do you want me to? Oh, sorry, Fabrice. Please do. Uh, no, but I, I guess this is, this is where really for us lean management was, was the game changer because we saw how agile completely transformed the engagement of the team. And that's why we're looking for the same magic, not just for our software teams, for, for the whole organization. And that's what Lena uh, brought us. And um, yeah, and then very simply, I think key drivers of engagement are, you know, autonomy. Can I, can I, uh, can I exercise my creativity to create value? And, you know, can I learn, you know, what am I growing as a person? And Lean really is about doing exactly that for the benefit of the organization and for rather, actually, in the more Lean way, I say for the benefit of the customer. So it's really about, oh, okay, we need to connect to the value for the customer. And that's great for employee engagement because at least that means the organization has a culture of always reminding everyone what kind of value we're bringing. So, you know, giving meaning to the, to the daily work. Um, then it's really a learning system. So you're, you're permanently like, you know, helping people grow. One of the big sayings at Toyota is good thinking for good products. It's reinvesting in, you know, people improving their thinking. Part of having such a learning system also means that this, this makes it much easier for the leadership to, to allow for failure because you know that failures will be identified and will be dealt with and will be learning opportunities. So that means a lot more autonomy to the teams. Yeah. And, um, you know, I guess I've addressed like, uh, for me, what are the key drivers of engagement? That's the lean has really brought this mix of psychological safety because I've got this space where I'm allowed to make mistakes and I'm empowered on how to problem solve those mistakes. And I know what I'm doing and why I'm working. And that brings you meaning. And I'm being stretched because lean is not, you know, it's, it's, it doesn't leave you in your comfort zone. It brings you in the stretch zone that, you know, uh, brings also more learning and more growth, more personal growth. And if I may add, uh, when you are stretched and you don't have the competence, you know, this is hell. This is burnout and stress and so on. So this means that they are permanently putting a sort of a tension between challenge and learning, because otherwise it would be it would be impossible to to survive in that kind of environment. So there's a lot of time spent on problem solving, but also enabling people. Um, you didn't mention it, Fabrice. You you do things like enablers. Um, let me give you an example. Um, when I was visiting Theodore for the book. Um, I, I could see that they were working. One of the uh, entities that you have in your group uh, is doing mo- mobile apps, 
And what's more recurrent than the login features in a mobile app? Uh, and every project designing a new mobile app was practically reinventing the wheel when they were doing the login feature. And I know that that uh, entity has worked on a standard logging approach so that they can save time and avoid mistakes. So that's part also of the comfort uh, of the people, giving them the conditions in which they can be challenged and they can learn. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Leadership skills are like any other skills. You need to practice them to get better at them. Best-selling leadership author John S. Rennie knows this. That's why he's written a new book called You Have the Watch. It's a guided journal for leaders designed to take you through an entire year of leadership training. By the end of the year, you will master 50 of the most important leadership skills. If you want to have a greater impact on the results and people in your organization, go to youhavethewatch.com and pick up your copy today. This episode is brought to you by Habit Stack. Effective leaders make a habit of working on important goals no matter how busy they feel. Habit Stack software helps leadership teams build that habit. The system guides you to set crystal clear goals, align your tasks to those goals, and make progress every week. I use Habit Stack and I absolutely love it. It's such an easy tool to use and I love how it reinforces the right habits with my leadership team. Habit Stack is free to use. It's so simple that you get the hang of it in just five minutes. Go to habitstack.com to get started. This episode is brought to you by Ignite Management Services. Ignite is led by Mike Watson, who you might remember from episode 137. Mike and his team believe that everything starts with leadership, whether it's strategy execution or cultural transformation. It's the role of the leader to create the conditions for their people to succeed. The team at Ignite can help you develop critical habits to enhance your leadership capability and transform your business. Ignite Management is now offering the Resilient Leadership Assessment Tool. This is an online questionnaire designed to assess and guide leadership development, coaching, and team building. It provides leaders an opportunity to gain insights into their leadership strengths and development needs. After taking this assessment, you will receive a custom detailed report that provides practical and actionable recommendations to enhance your effectiveness. I have taken this assessment myself and found it to be extremely valuable in helping me make changes to my leadership approach. Right now, Ignite is offering 15% off the price of this tool to the deep leadership audience. Go to ignitemanagement.ca and enter the code START15 at checkout to get started today. This episode is brought to you by Jeremy Clevenger at Liberty Strength. As a high-performing leader, you know that leadership isn't about telling people what to do. It's about leading by example. And for most people, the one area that they are lacking when it comes to leading by example is their health and fitness. By improving your health and fitness, every other area of your life improves. Your energy skyrockets, your sleep improves, your confidence increases, and more. But how can you get and stay fit as a busy leader? Well, you do what you've always done. You hire the best people for the job. Don't struggle on your own. Put Liberty Strength in your corner. Jeremy and his team will work with you to take your physique, mindset, nutritional habits, and more to the next level with his step-by-step, all-inclusive coaching program. I've worked with Liberty Strength for the past two years, and I'm in the best shape of my life, and I'm still hitting strength personal records at 56 years old. 
If you want to step up your game, reach out to Jeremy at LibertyStrengthTX.com to find out more and get your initial consultation scheduled with him today. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. One of the things I've had a debate, uh, a good friend of mine runs, um, he's pretty high up in Amazon. And so we had a debate, we were driving somewhere and I was talking about this idea, just like you talked about, which is psychological safety autonomy, letting people fail, letting people be actively engaged in work. And he said, well, when I build a Amazon facility, I have to hire 5,000 people. And I have to tell those 5,000 people that this is, there's one way of doing it here at Amazon. And, uh, and this is, this one way is one that we've developed over years at multiple locations. And so he was saying that I really need my employees to follow the rules and they don't, and not to be creative. And I thought to myself that that's, that's like a worst place I'd want to work is where you can't be creative, you can't bring your human self to work, and you can't push and, and grow. But I also understand when you hire 5,000 people, you've got to sort of have a, a, a way of doing things. Do you, is that, um, I don't know if it's a, it's just a strange question to you or not, but how do you balance the idea of doing things in a standard way versus having people be creative and be challenged and to and to continue to push the improvement of of your processes? Fabrice, you want to speak first? I've got some ideas on this one. If you've got some ideas, you can start because I think that's a very good question. It's a tough question because it's one of it's, it's, No, no, no. It's a very interesting question. It is obvious we have talked about creativity and using brain's creativity, but it's obvious that uh, the first thing Theodore does when they recruit is to put people up to the standards that they have developed. Yeah. They have developed ways of doing things uh, that enable people to come that come in to do the things right the first time and not learn through all the blunders that the others have made before. So obviously, Lean comes with a lot of standards. Uh, the difference is once people have mastered the, the standards, there are regular discussions about whether the standards still um, Holds the ground? Is it still good, efficient? In this scenario, is it the right one? Can we improve it? Should we change this or that? And that and they, they develop in theory a lot of communities of practice. They put people who are doing the same job together, even from different companies, to talk about their, their, their job and their techniques and their ideas and their methods and to learn from each other. But basically, they start from standards. Yes, yes, yes. Yep. So am I wrong or am I right? No, no, it's it's I think it's it's the right answer. And it's it's a lot of training because you do want and and of, and maybe what your friend at Amazon is saying is I don't have the time to train five thousand people, or I don't want to invest in in you know in the training, so I prefer to just uh, uh, impose rules. Um but that probably has a downside in terms of engagement and 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 yeah, and attractivity, and uh, considering that Amazon is this incredible 
incredible position where they've, I think at some point they had to hide all of the people they could hire around their warehouses. Yeah, yeah, they do. <laughs> it's probably a good time for them to maybe reconsider slightly this. But I'm, you know, I'm not too worried for them because they're, they're a company that has understood lean management a lot at, at different levels. Um, but in our case, yeah, one thing I would say is this is why we use the word standard a lot because the, the difference between a standard and a process is a process is something you have to follow, even if you don't believe in it. Whereas a standard is some is a is a process you need to have been trained on, and but and that you have the autonomy with you know your team lead and the rest of the team to improve if you find a way to improve it. So it's a subtle difference, but it makes all the difference between I'm engaged because I am following the standard, but I know that if I at some point I disagree with it, I can have a discussion now to improve it. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. So let me just ask you, uh, you know, you're in the trenches, you, you've got a company that's growing like this, you've employed lean management successfully to help you with your growth. What have you noticed, what type of leadership skills are needed to be able to, you know, continue to, to improve your employee engagement as your company grows? Uh, are there a spe- special skill sets or training? What, what do your leaders need to be able to do to be able to continue to get employees engaged as you grow and as new employees come on board? Uh, yeah, on, in the trenches, I think we have a model. Um, and so we're looking for three dimensions. Of course, it's a simplification, but the three dimensions that we found like quite interesting. One, and the first one is competence. Uh, actually, like actual competence on the job. Yeah. That's not obvious. I found this amazing, like, you know, interview for uh, uh, from Steve Jobs uh, where he say, you know, at some point they were scanning very fast and they thought, you know, we're, we're going to hire professional managers from outside that don't know the job. Yeah. And, and that, and that was a disaster for them. And so they went the slow and the hard way, which was to convince that they're amazing engineers who, who didn't want to do the job of managing say, yeah, but you have to do it because if it's not you, we have to bring someone from outside who's incompetent. And that's apparently worked incredibly well for them. That's what Steve Jobs says. And, you know, when you see the growth since that interview, it's probably true. So yeah, competence, I think, you know, if you want to create an environment that is engaging and, and is a learning environment, you need to have somebody who you can, t- can teach you stuff. So number one trait. Um, number two is caring. Mm. And caring is, is, is uh, yeah, very important, uh, slightly harder to define and, and very, and very to, hard to identify from the top. Because, you know, people can be really caring for the team, but actually be annoying from, you know, the, the boss point of view. <laughs> yeah. Or on the opposite, somebody can be actually very caring for the bosses, but for some reason, you know, less for their teams. And without actually like, you know, bad intention, but, you know, just, just the way they act. So that's why I think in Lean, I mean, that, that's why in Lean, we do a lot of go and sees. We, you know, we go on the, on, we go on the ground, um, because that helps us identify the, the people dynamics a bit more, a bit better than if we stayed in our offices. Um, and the third, yeah, the third, the third trade, it's, it's, it's very much inspired by a book we like very much, a theater, which is called Nine Lies About Work. And, and this is the idea that leadership often comes from having a spike. So having a, you know, something very special, very strong about yourself. And so 
we've we, yeah exactly so i guess the, the point we're making here is we've learned along the years not to look for a well-rounded person um but a rather for someone who has like a very strong skill somewhere and and if they have a very strong skill somewhere they have like some other like lacking skills but they are able to be caring with the teams uh, and they're competent then they're probably very good leaders if if you if I may uh, add some uh, point from what I've uh, seen or witnessed, because uh, I've witnessed a number of what they call gimba visits to the to the field, visit to the workstations, they very much use that formula that was coined by a Toyota leader, and that is go and see, ask why, show respect. It's similar to what Fabrice just told us. They do a lot of go and see. They are very much there because they need permanently as leaders to see where the company stands. Uh, it's it's one thing to to develop a strategy or or look for growth, but if you don't understand every day where the company stands and where we're stuck and what what we still need to learn, um, you're not going to go very far. And you're going to fail in the execution of your beautiful strategy. So they do a lot of go and see. Then they don't tell people how to do things. They they raise questions. Why do you think it's the normal conditions? Why do you do it this way? Do you think there is another way? Maybe uh, have you seen or talked to this and that guy or that girl? Uh, they worked on this before. Maybe they can help, etc. Um, and and by doing that, they show respect because they're not imposing their solutions. So bosses and leaders can bring very bad solutions if they are locked in an office, come to the to the field, and believe <laughs> they they have the they remember what they've done uh, ten years ago, and they say do this. Yeah, that can be that can be very dangerous. Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of a lot of really good stuff here. One of the things interesting that you started with competence, because I think that's something we, as we study leadership and we talk about leadership, a lot of times we get into all the other things around leadership, which are important, but but we've got to go back to competence. And you know, my my initial experience in leadership was a was a naval officer on a nuclear submarine. That's where I started my leadership journey. And when the seas got rough and things got scary, we all looked to the captain to make sure he knew what was going on. Like we wanted to have confidence that our that our leader was competent. And I think that seems like that's I just had I gave a speech this morning about this particular topic. And I started with the idea of competence being a really critical skill for leaders is, uh, you know, you you can be a lot of things. And a lot of things are important, but I think being competent is got to be number one on the list is that, you know, people are looking to you. Does this person know what they're doing should i can i follow them and i love that you started out with the idea of competence being first no and it's it's interesting because i think it's a very lean value in a way um because yeah because there's this mix of you want to create value for customers so the idea of having an incompetent leadership you know in that when you have that model seems seems completely ludicrous um and 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 at the same time, you want to create a learning organization. So who, who's going to be a teacher if it's you know if it's on the leadership? It's complicated. Mm -hmm. Makes so much sense. What I mean, as our as our listeners are hearing this, um, what's what's a what's a real important takeaway they should have from from your successful experiences uh, at the Odo? What what what's a good takeaway for our listeners? 
Fabrice, um, you want me to? Yeah, I think you. But what is interesting in your experience, uh, Catherine, is you've seen from like you know an outside point of view. So yeah, if you have if you have your idea, I'm, I'm, I would invite you first. Uh, you 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 complete what I'm saying, but basically what what I've seen is that they have demonstrated that in digital the the Toyota production system, which was designed for a manufacturing environment, helps them make money. Mm-hmm. Uh, they help it helps them make money because they have a customer obsession. Uh, you've heard Fabrice talk about value all the time. I don't know how many times he's pronounced mm-hmm. the word value, and that's their constant search for value. Um, so they, they are focused on the customer complete satisfaction to the extent that every week they are sending, not sending, sorry, discussing with the customers on a questionnaire about the customer's satisfaction on the delivery, or the speed, etc. And it's not a net promoter score that they are sending by mail. Right? It's a disc- face-to-face or phone on the phone, but discussion with the customer from which they do problem solving. So the customer obsession brings sales and turnover. Second, uh, they are building on the engagement uh, through trust, through working conditions, uh, through developing competence. They're making the job interesting by offering both the standard to start so you don't start from scratch and the opportunity to improve it. And they're creating the challenge with the just-in-time because they use a lot of Kanbans to bring in the customer order into the into the job. And remember, we said the, the big risk when you're growing is you lose track of the customers. So the Kanban represents the customers. And it's more than a deliverable. It's value you need to bring and, and you can't miss that step. And you know if you miss it, you know what problem you have to work on. It's this problem now for this customer. So it shows you the right problems. And added to that, the other pillar pillar of the Toyota production system is the help, the the, the management help, uh, the support chain of management that every time you have a problem, management can step in and help. So those double tension, the tension from the customer, the engagement, the working on the conditions for the for the for the people, challenging with the just in time. Remember the few assets, uh, make the best of what you have and so on, while helping every time there's something wrong, is the framework that they have in mind. And it gives them permanently the, the next step. Fabrice, you want to complete my my answer? No, I think I think it's you know, I think I think it's a it's it's good answer, and and clearly, if somebody was looking for like the silver bullet, um, that's not what Lean offers. Like Lean is a journey. We've been we've been on it for ten years. We knew we still have so much to learn, and you know, we've learned so much every year. Um, but yeah, if, if I mean one of the reasons we're we're here and actually doing this podcast is, I think because we've been we've been really inspired by your journey and. And, and, and guess what I want to share is with with listeners is there is you know there's not like a complete opposition between I'm scaling fast and, and you know generating profit and I'm engaging people and giving them a you know great environment for for personal growth. Um, this is not you know this is not opposed. Um, it's not easy to combine both, but actually it's possible and. And weirdly enough, it even feeds itself because what lean what a lean strategy allows you to do is really create more scale and and a, and you know and a better business because you're creating more value 
or their customers by uh, investing in the personal growth of of your teams. So yeah, if if, if that's you know or you, one one takeaway is that this is this is possible, and therefore, if you're interested, you should definitely start looking at it. Yeah, and problem solving and learning from problem solving uh, helps reduce cost too. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Not only you make money because your customer obsessed, but you also reduce cost by avoiding big mistakes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So if our listeners want to learn more about the success at Theodo, where should they go? Is there, a, is there a resource they could go and find out more? I'm going to try and show it soon. I see it. Just in front. We wrote this book uh, with, with three quotes. Uh, all of us interested in how Lean could, uh, could move to the digital world. And this book is called Learning to Scale at Theodore Group. I guess you will be providing the, the, the link uh, to the book. But uh, we try to make it light so that you can see real-life backstage stories uh, and at the same time, reflection on how the Toyota production system can be implemented in a dig- digital environment. So it gives it it gives you quite a, a lot of explanations also on the on the intent between each of the Toyota production system tools, um, and shows you how how combined together it's a system to make money, but another way of making money, not short term. Return on investment uh, decisions make money for a sustainable growth and and something that will last. That's fantastic. And we're going to go ahead and put a link in the show notes for that, Learning to Scale. It's a great book. If you want to understand how this company did it, how they grew 50% a year, they're, they're, they, they've grown, they've been successful, they're continuing to grow, their employees are engaged, they're, they're highly profitable. If you want to learn how they did it, Here's here's the book. Here's the solution. We're going to put a link in the show notes for that. So I highly recommend you check it out if you're looking to say, well, especially if you're in a high growth industry and you're saying, how do we keep people engaged? How do we keep, uh, you know, our growing our business and being profitable? Uh, well, there's there's a roadmap. There's a picture. There's a way to do it that's proven. And again, if you want to be successful as a leader, learn from history, learn from the people who have done it before. So I highly encourage you to check this out. The link is in the show notes below. This has been fantastic. How can our listeners find out more about the both of you? Fabrice? Uh, well, I'm, but first, I'm very excited to share my journey. So um, I will be very happy to engage with anyone who, who wants to engage with me. Either on Twitter. On Twitter, I'm Fabrice B. Or on LinkedIn, uh, Fabrice Bernhardt. And, um, and we also organize uh, office visits. Uh, so whether you're in London or Paris, um, the or in New York, but our office in New York is, is, is not the biggest one, uh, then we'd be very happy to to invite you to one of our visits. Fantastic. And you can find me on LinkedIn, and I'll, you can find also my uh, articles, because I do a lot of uh, Gemba visits, uh, sorry, visits to the field uh, in French company, but my articles are in English, available on the magazine, Planet Online magazine. Well, absolutely. I really appreciate that. We're going to put links in the show notes. And again, leaders, if something in, in this conversation is resonating with you, if you're seeing the journey that they've taken and you say, wow, I really need to learn this and put this in my business, definitely reach out uh, both to Catherine and Fabrice and see uh, see what you can learn from it. And again, uh, check out the book, 
uh, because I think if you're looking for a way in a history and, and someone to show you the way as to how this can be done, the book is a clear way to do it. Guys, I really appreciate Catherine Fabrice. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for sharing this incredible story and your journey. And congratulations for all the success. And Catherine, thank you for breaking it down for us in a way that we can all, all understand it. So thank you for the both of you. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks. Thank you again for inviting us. Thanks again. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share so we can continue to build a world with better bosses. Until next time, this is John Rennie saying take care and lead well. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all you do. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information and updates, please visit our website at www.deepleadershippodcast.com or johnsrenny.com. Until next time, take care. Today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement, inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement, where I unpack living a faith-filled life. I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on Electricast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. Electricast. Welcome to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonize your mind, body, and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. Together, we explore vibrations, frequencies, and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress, and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing today.